We're oh, in hey. the, yeah, we're in our basement where we whoa, live. Whoa, 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 You're whoa. In, we're in David's basement. Whoa. We're in David's basement. Homeownership rights, bro. Uh, we're, I'm hanging out in my landlord's basement with my landlord. That's a that's a really fun way to put that. I've literally been telling that joke so much, I think it's the first time I've told it to you, David. That, that, <laughs> I go around all the time be like... You call me your landlord? I, I do, I do. I go, I go. oh yeah, my, my landlord wants to know when I'm going to be home tonight. <laughs> hey, guess what I'm streaming? What are you... Oh, you're... I'm streaming <laughs> us you're a, right now. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> It's like... like Hey, welcome to the Overarching Podcast. This is episode 12. We are recording on Wednesday, June 13th. I'm Bradley Rolf. I'm his landlord, David Lemon. That's right. Also friend. Yeah, land friend. Land friend. Is that like Lord, a land... Lord, Lord friend. Friend lord? Friend lord. Ooh, Ooh there it is. There you go. That's the there one. There you go. There we have it. Friend lord. Friend lord Esquire. The third. Yes. Friend Lord does sound like a name in yeah. it, in itself. Yeah. Or like Fred Lord. Fred Lord? Fredward. They're, no. Fred Fredbird. Edward. Fredbird. Fredbird. <laughs> well, we came around. Guys, we're just going in weird directions here. We figured here. it out. It's the 12th podcast. It's the 12th podcast. We keep doing this thing and we keep doing this thing. Because I like that. we have 12 hours of yeah. stuff to talk about about that St. Louis. That we talk well. Something like that. There's, we could, all, I could there's, talk all, about. there's always something to talk about. I want. Do you have something you want to start with? Because I wanted you to start with something else if you didn't want to start with that one well, thing. Well, first, I want to talk about... Uh, I Get want to talk the about sports out of the way? Well, not really. Um, we Reg- can start with something that has to deal with... So- yes, there it is. That's what I want to talk yeah, about. <laughs> that's what I wanted to talk about first. So yes, Reggie good. Bush. Yes. Oh. Um, if none of you know who that is, Reggie Bush is a former... Um, San Francisco 49er, former D- Detroit Lion, former USC Heisman Trophy winner in football, American football. Played for the NFL, played in the NFL for I guess a decade now. Um, and back in 2015, he was playing against the Rams at the Edward Jones Dome. And for the those of you, yeah, Dome at, at American the Center. Yeah. Um, for those of you who don't care about sports, I promise this is going to be great. This is um, going to be juice. This is there. juicy. <laughs> juicy. Uh, so back in 2015, he ran out of bounds at um, the Edward Jones Dome at the time. And this was after a play. And at the Edward Jones Dome, it's turf. And you run outside of the turf area. And at the time, it was just a concrete slab, like 35 feet to the wall. And um, essentially, what was happening is he goes and he slips on the concrete because he's wearing cleats. Right. You can't. Because, duh. Yeah. Um, so he ended up suing because it was a season-ending injury. Or, like, he missed a lot of games. I can't remember exactly which one it was. Yeah. But the season-ending injury or something like that. And it was a knee injury. So the he sued the city of St. Louis because they were the ones that owned the Edward Jonestone. Which makes a lot of sense. So they, they'd but, be responsible for the design yes. and upkeep of the things. Yes. And, of course, it went to a trial. And so, recently, the jury um, in St. Louis found that the Rams themselves... The Rams organization. The Rams organization themselves were 100% liable for Bush's injury. Which means... So he also sued public agencies that own and operate the dome, but those were dismissed 
um, from the suit by a judge because it argued that the football team had control of operations at the facility on game days. Gotcha. So on game days, the Rams were the ones in charge of making sure everything operations. Yeah. Um, <laughs> check this out. The juror in St. Louis ordered the Los Angeles Rams to pay Reggie Bush $4.95 million in compensatory, compen, compensatory damages, can't talk, and $7.5 million in punitive damages, which comes out to a whopping $12.5 million that is owed to Reggie Bush from, from Stan freaking Crocky. Yay! Yay! All right, which is like pocket change to that chump. Yeah, but like it, it's symbolic. I freaking and it feels hate good. that chump. Yeah, He's it's just like He's if you worst. can pull any little bit of shame towards that man or just hurt towards that man, because twelve point five million dollars to him is like what maybe a thousand dollars to us, which is a lot of money. Like a thousand dollars, but at the end of the day, it's, it's just significant, like significant. But it's you oh, can move on. I guess we can move on. Well, so a thousand. I couldn't move on from a thousand. No, me. I was, I was like, maybe, oh my maybe gosh. for you, David. Not you're really. Rich. That is a lie, and you know it. The <laughs> only reason I'm allowed to buy this house is because you are currently paying me rent. Well, you could you could afford it without that. Uh, let's not go into it. <laughs> Either way, um, uh, F. Dan Cronky, and yeah. that is the most you know common theme that. I think we can all resonate with. That guy can go sit on a tack. Wow. That's a really nice way to put that. Yeah. Instead of saying the F word. Congratulations. Yay. This is a family-friendly program. Most days. It should be, anyways. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I, want, to, I want, want it to be. It, try to keep it clean. I want Weird, you to but know clean. about like fun things happening in St. Louis for the kids, too. True that. Also, fun thing you can take your kids to here that's happening this week. This week. Currently. Yeah. Is Broadway. At Jerome the Robbins' Broadway is the season opener at the St. Louis Municipal Opera. I Man, last year I saw everything in the free seats, and this year I don't know how much I'm going to be able to see. You don't see. have time? I don't have, because uh, well, I got like you know two shows back-to-back in the summer, so I I, I, don't know. I could probably make some time, but I just have so many million things, and I want to try and get out to Romeo and Juliet, and I want to try to get out to the Muni, and who knows? I need to talk to my personal assistant, a.k.a me and figure that out that's a nice thing to have a personal assistant but do you know do you know anything about the show um so my mother and father yes who are in the um community theater scene with yourself yes went to see it on monday and they said that this is the biggest production the muni has ever put on the biggest production by that I mean, that's obviously... Like a visual spectacular... Exactly. So what big means is there's so much happening. Yeah. The story is not really dense or anything. There's not right. a lot of narrative you well, have to like follow. From, from or what I understand, by. it's 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 basically a review. Yeah. So it's a bunch of vignettes, essentially, is right, what it is. Right. Um, so it's bit and bit and bit and bit of previous Broadway shows that have had like a lot of success, right? Well, it related to Jerome Robbins, the... The uh, is this chore- chore- I should, these choreography? Are things, these are things I, I think should he's know. a choreographer. I believe, yes. Yes, I believe so, that's correct. I, huge I feel... numbers. Huge numbers, essentially, is what they said. Yeah. Lots of people on stage, um, broad visuals, lots of color, lots of uh, emotion in dance. Yeah. Which, I mean, I don't care for a lot of emotions. You and I were just talking about this last night. Yeah. We tend to view art more of an intellectual 
lens yeah, rather art, than uh, uh, an yeah, emotional a, a lens. cognitive interpretation of art versus an emotional experience of art. Yes, that's a better way of putting is, it. Yeah, is is our our mo in in viewing and yeah. experiencing. So art. this is running through, I believe, the seventeenth on Sunday. Yep. And Maybe. then the whiz starts up on the nineteenth on Tuesday. Gotcha. So I believe it's the seventeenth. Something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Check your calendar. Yep, and the whiz, and then the one after the whiz is. I I I have like I should know these. Singing things. in the rain. Ah, that's the one. That's you... the one everybody wants to see. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's and the one that fair, you want to see. That's the one I want to see. Like yeah. I grew up on that movie. Yeah. I grew up on that musical. Yeah. Um, I grew up wanting to be Cosmo. Yeah. Like who doesn't want to be that silly son of a bee? He's fantastic. Man, what like what a great actor, dancer, singer, composer, everything. That man was everything yeah and and um gene kelly of course got all the gene kelly did i say that right yeah yes yeah yes he got all the attention yeah and uh and princess leia's mom debbie reynolds yep she was a mega babe in that duh if she were a president (laughs) she'd be abraham lincoln oh yes that's oh wait, correct. the other no. one that we were thinking about. What's the one? No, no, say it. No. What were? What was I? What was the one that we came up with? We the came other one? up with a lot of stupid answers that aren't very funny. What? What was the one? John Adams, Thomas Jefferson. Uh. Was it Hamilton? No. Because he wasn't even a president. It was. It was James K. Polk. Oh, yep. Nope. We're not going moving there. On. <laughs> moving on. I forgot about James K. Polk. Oh, no. Uh, so There's nothing so, to do with so St. Louis. So the Muni, obviously the Muni is a big thing. Uh, on that note, the it's the 100th season. The, and the St. Louis History Museum currently has an exhibit mm-hmm. uh, celebrating 100, year, or 100 seasons of the Muni. Uh, I, I have not been yet. Um, I had a friend who showed up and sang. For well, I think the fun. opening of it, um, but from what I've heard from you know public radio is that it's got things and it's pretty cool and there's a lot of lot of neat pictures and uh, and just like little tidbits of history that you probably didn't know, which is what we're all about. Little tidbits you probably didn't know is kind of uh, one of our our favorite things. Hmm. Uh, so I suppose I I I'm preemptively recommending that as a thing if you care about the Muni and whatnot. Uh, but I, I don't know how good it is. I assume that it's valuable. Oh, I would assume, yeah. Yeah. But another segue from a previous part of the conversation uh, with, you know, speaking of Stan Kroenke, other people related to St. Louis uh, and do, doing businessy things in St. Louis who are generally frowned upon by the populace. Well, this this person I think you're talking about also has some positive true uh, backers i do i'm not one of them I, but he does have some positive backers yes and i honestly before i read this tidbit i i didn't know all the details behind like i'd like do like oh it's just a guy who does things i didn't really know <laughs> that's a great review i didn't oh, know it's a guy look he does the stuff well apparently he doesn't do many things no paul he doesn't McKee, he sits there yesterday tuesday yesterday paul mckee paul was McKee. issued a notice of default from the city but um so for those who don't know paul mckee he's a an alleged developer Actually, many would call him one of the city's most important developers. Uh, the St. Louis Business Journal called him that. To be fair, they're t- 
technically, they're not far off. But what has he developed? The North St. Louis area. He owns the North St. Louis area. Boom. What has he developed? No, that's what I'm saying. That's what that's what we're getting at. I'm I'm playing I'm playing one side of it. Aha, aha, aha. And, okay. Uh, 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 and 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 you see and you see. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was gold blooming. Uh, uh, life uh, finds a way. But so apparently, I so the thing is, all I knew about Paul McKee before reading this little uh, article snippet opinion piece on Next SDL that was published yesterday. After he was issued the notice of default. Oh, by Kara? Uh, I, sh- I didn't read the byline, but yes. I think it was Kara Spencer. Um, she most likely wrote it. Gotcha. Shout out. What up, Kara? Um, so I, you know, I knew, oh, Paul McKee, he's a developer, and he's, you know, investing in property on the north side of St. Louis. That's all I knew. That's what I thought I knew. Apparently, he's purchased a whole bunch of stuff and then just does literally nothing with it, and the city has been fining him and buildings are crumbling and the city's having to demolish things and sue him over it and he's literally only ever applied for one building permit um and he's gotten special dispensations well he the city pays for the upkeep of his properties still right which Yet is like but the sir, city you, keeps, sir 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 you is, are the homeowner sir the city sir? keeps invoicing him and he doesn't pay they invoice him around three hundred thousand dollars uh i I think just from demolition bills, and he doesn't pay them. Like what's what's his what's his deal? What's his like? Yeah, what's, what's his what, mo? Well, what's his what's his perspective? What's what what is the upshot? What is the positive perspective on what he's doing? He doesn't even have like huge tax liabilities on his properties. Many of his properties are under four dollars a year of just, tax liability i'm just really think confused. about that i'm just really confused four dollars is he just speculating is that what it is i'm confused about the situation i don't know i want to know what what that is because there's you know what the article mentioned and i i know we've seen we talk about little pieces of development here there are plenty of you know small developers here and there agreement that there are things happening in st louis uh but there are not things happening there. Well, here's the thing. The people who are developing North St. Louis aren't Paul McKee. True. It's the people who work and live in St. Louis, in North St. Louis, that develop it. They have a choice to make. Everyone in North St. Louis who lives in North St. Louis who may listen to our podcast, I don't know if you are, but... You have to make the change. People that live outside the lines of North St. Louis can only do so much for you. That is not how we make change. How you make change in your community is living in it and building around it. It starts that's, from the that's, epicenter. That's, that's that everywhere. is literally that's, that's everything. Everywhere. That's everything. Right? Yeah. So development in North St. Louis has to start from within North St. Louis and, and living those, and abiding within it. It's and the those people things who are wear, happening. It's the crews who like work and live in that area that yeah. make it happen. And there's, and I, I know I, I don't, I haven't kept really it's strong track, but I know I've heard, I've heard stories here and there about small steps taking place and, and, you know, positive motion happening, but you're right. Paul McKee is not attached to any of those. I feel like Paul McKee just looks like a really older, much older version of Red Foreman from that 70s show. You never seen, you've never I saw, really... I saw, I saw a picture of. Have him. you ever seen that 70s show? Yes. I'm, yes. I'm aware. Yes. But like, he looks kind of like an old cantankerous kook that says something about an arse all the time yeah but also i don't even like like why even why even harp on that because that just cheapens the the fact of what he's 
what he's taking away from that community. And unless, unless, unless there's, like I said, I don't fully understand the situation. If someone can explain to me the positive effects of Paul McKee, please. But as far as I can tell, what? Yeah, I, yeah. either way, essentially what needs to happen is people working from the inside out. Absolutely. Every always has been, always will be. Yeah, that's that's the way of the world. Hmm. So, next topic. Segway. Do you want a specific segue? Do you want me to just talk about what I want to talk about? Yeah, what do you want to talk about, David? First of all, today, yesterday actually, the United States of America, yes. along with Mexico and Canada, so North America, yes. um, was awarded awarded. Awarded. The 2026 World Cup of Soccer. How many countries are in North America? Uh, technically... More than three. Anyway. I'm, I'm I'm thinking. I think it's like... Is it nine? I forget. Or is it 11? I shouldn't ask questions. I don't know. That. But, okay, I but, take that back. It's like 15 plus because of all the small island the, nations. The point is, it's it's inaccurate to call it the North American bid, but well, it was the United... I know it was built... It's, it's called United 2026 bid. Is right, what it is. Right. But well, it you is, know what sucks it is for the Canada, countries US, of Mexico, Mexico and Canada is each of those two countries only get 10 games apiece. Right. We get 60. Yeah. And you'd be thinking, you're right now, you're thinking to yourself, wait, there's only, there's not 80 games in the World Cup. There's only 32 teams in a World Cup. The math doesn't hold up. Turns out in 2026, they're allowing 48 teams to make the World Cup. Whoa. And so the what, United States, what, 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 Mexico, are we and Canada, we are CONCACAF. All Very three of good. Us? Very good. Yes, all three okay. are CONCACAF. That's North American. Gotcha. Um, and there are six federations across the globe. Yeah. And each federation has an allotted amount of teams they send to the World Cup? Yes and no. Okay. But pretty much yes. Um, and it will change. It will change come 2026. So that's eight years from now, mind you. Right. <laughs> uh, so the the 2018 World Cup hasn't even started. It comes out technically today, if you're listening to it on the first day that we send this out, which is technically tomorrow, which is June 14th. Um, the first game is Russia, of course, because mm-hmm. the game is taking place in Russia, yeah. as all, all the games are. Um, so the 2026 World Cup will take place here. 48 teams will be allotted United States, Mexico, and um, Canada will get an automatic bid. Here, here's the thing. automic bid into the World Cup. They will Are be you sure about that? Absolutely, one hundred percent sure. So let me tell you the bid I heard because NPR was talking about it on my drive home. Um, You're saying two nations automatically get a bid, and then one is an outright because three Concacaf nations get in. No, I'm saying that it's the, the people. The the I think it was the New York Times reporter correspondent who was there at the meeting in russia um said that it's technically still unknown but it's up to Concacaf to decide who automatically gets in they've already made the decision okay they made this but he, he said he said he said there's no way the u.s doesn't and but canada and mexico mexico most likely will as well so mexico and the united states are a 100 percent lock gotcha. canada is the one that you have to be concerned about because it's just like Okay. How I'm often sorry, do they how often do they Pan- make the cut? Panama how often does Canada make the cut anyway? They don't because they never Panama do. beat out the United States this year mm-hmm. to make the world. Panama is the team that's gonna make yeah. it. Or Honduras even, even though they're not that great. Or even uh Costa Rica. 
But this is exciting. And so you had some also some... No, why did I say Costa Rica? That's... You also had some conflicting uh, yeah, information with me. I read a piece yesterday that suggested that there were X number of possible cities that they weren't locked down yet either. And, and so this has and to from lock what I, from localities, what I, from right? What I, from what I read, it looked like the nearest any of these World Cup games will be to us will be either Cincy, Nashville, or Dallas. And that is probably incorrect. Okay. I mean, they haven't I'd, made any decisions. That's like nothing has been decided yet. Yeah. The news was announced last night. Did the bid? Did the bid come with like here are possible? Here are twenty three possible cities. Uh huh. Currently, but that here's, also. Here's but my that's just. Process, but that's just. Though. That's just a sales pitch. That's not even saying right. that it we have is... to choose from these cities. That's saying these are probably where we go. It's eight years from now. So it. So the whatever commission, whatever commission brought this sales pitch what to FIFA. What happens is four, four years from now during the next World Cup in Qatar in 2022, uh-huh. which, by the way, if you have no idea where Qatar is, that's probably fair. It's in the Middle East. Right. That's probably fair. It's where we get a lot of our oil from. Also, it's, it's where... It's on the the, uh, the Saudi Peninsula, correct? Qatar's like the richest country on freaking but, but Earth. It's, but it's, is it south of Saudi Arabia? Am I correct in saying I think that? you are correct. Yeah. Uh, yes. So, essentially, Qatar... Like, there are tons of Qatari people that own and buy up like very famous soccer players and just like in terms of their like right and very famous soccer teams and like mm-hmm. they buy them up and they bring in these players from like these different countries and they're just like oh let's yeah. make lots of money from them and they're just like look Qatar's a great nation and you're like no you're not um also it's gonna be 120 freaking degrees during the 100 like during the 2022 world cup so that's gonna be fun yeah uh, uh, either way yeah so kansas city is most likely going to host that's and game. that's that's just because this of, is this is this, this is, is David your, Lemons. Yep. You know your pick, your call. This is my call. I understand the process of bids. I understand the business development aspect of it. Kansas City is a developing city that is going to grow and grow and grow. And it's like Arrowhead Stadium is going to stay for, around for a long time. Arrowhead is the loudest stadium in terms of acoustics in all of the United States, and it's a soccer city. Why would you not yeah. send someone there yeah. as a host yeah. country? Now, here's the other question. Um, MLS expansion teams, obviously mm-hmm. there's eight years. Mm-hmm. We've got some coming up. Mm-hmm. There's also the outside chance that more expansions happen and brand new stadiums happen. And do you think that if there were a brand new stadium right around the time uh, World Cup was getting planned, that it would a game would show up there? Are you talking about St. Louis? I mean... Because are you saying this is how you're tying it back to a St. Louis culture podcast? Well, I was going to I was gonna do that. I was also going to say... I was going to say that, but I was going to say, Hey, David, tying it back to St. Louis, if you can't travel to see a World Cup game in eight years in from now... eight years when I'm 34 and you're 35? Where should you go to watch uh, football in St. Louis? Oh, I wonder. You should probably go to, I don't know, St. Louis. Because my bold prediction, and I am like about eh, 75% certain that this is going to happen. And, and folks who don't know, David, I like David and sports predictions, this is his life. And if you ever want an education, watch any sporting event with David Lemon because he calls things right before they happen. He says, oh, this, 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 this. And he'll say, oh, and this player, blah, blah, blah. And he always does whatever. And then it happens. And then the announcers who are paid by the networks to say things say, oh, well, this player, blah, 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 this always happens. So 
David. Hey, thank you. That that means a lot to me. It's it's true. It, and this I went is, to this school is what for I've, it. This is what I've I've viewed in experiencing you alongside sports. So tell us, tell us your. So St. Louis is going to host the 2026 World Cup. That's my bold prediction. Here's the reasoning. What do nations like the United States and organizations like FIFA and CONCACAF want on the grand stage? History. They want history. But what do they also want? Progression. Yeah. They want shiny new things. Yes. An expansion team in St. Louis is still very possible in four years. If not the most possible thing. Because St. Louis will have recovered from our butthurt reality of the St. Louis Rams. Yeah. And we will most likely pay for a new stadium in four years' time. And CONCACAF and FIFA and the rest of the soccer world would be like, okay, yeah, St. Louis deserves to host it. And they've got this shiny new stadium. They and deserve to be on the grand stage. International airport right in the middle of the nation. No good public transportation. Unless maybe things will get right. better, maybe. And here's the thing, though. Ooh, 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 the ooh. only are way you this say, happens... Do you, think, do you think that if it gets picked that we'll overhaul our public transportation? Yes. <laughs> that is that when makes they... Me, that makes me happy. Here's the other thing, though. The only way we host the 2026 World Cup is if we have a stadium that holds mm. more than 40,000 people. So we have to build a soccer-specific slash any specific stadium that holds around 40,000 people. Yeah. And that's the only way that happens. So the idea is maybe we revamp Edward Jones Dome to hold you know the 66,000 people, which it currently holds, and turn it into an outdoor event center or like have a retractable roof or whatever and reinvest in the city that way i that's the only way it happens is one of those two scenarios we build a forty thousand seat stadium that is soccer specific or or like to you know also host other things like lacrosse championships or any other outdoor or venues just for any anything what have you um yeah, college events will be great there. Or the Edward Jones Dome, a.k.a. now the America Center, gets transformed somehow into a new um, retractable roof center where you can play outdoors as well. Oh. That's the only two scenarios. I think it happens. I really do think it happens. Like with my knowledge of business development, my knowledge of the sports industry, I really do think it happens. The only way it happens, though, is is, is if everyone else thinks like me. Which is optimistic. <laughs> yeah. Optimistic about the future of this city. Optimistic about the people of this city wanting progression. Wanting, um, I, I guess, just something that they can come together with and really just kind of rally around. But at the same time, when the, when's the last time that happened? Hmm. Hmm. It hasn't. Yeah. Well. In a long yeah. time outside of, you know, maybe like the St. Louis Cardinals or whatever. Yeah. Hey, let's dream. I, I, I'm optimistic. I want it, I want it I'm to optimistic happen. too. I want it to happen. I like the idea. Also, that's eight years from now, so who freaking cares? Who freaking knows? I do. Yeah, yeah. We all care. We all know. We all care and care. Um, sweet. Um, but also, um, if you want to know about soccer and watch soccer in St. Louis, you should go to an STLFC soccer game. Correct. This and, weekend. And if you also the sixteenth. And if you like, uh international soccer and you want to watch it on tv in mm-hmm. a bar so the world cup 
starts tomorrow, aka yeah. today, if you're listening to it on the 14th. If you want to watch the World Cup at one of the best bars in the universe, I'm talking about it's a bar. Like, it is an actual bar where your bartender owns the place or works the place extremely well. Like a classic neighborhood pub. That make good drinks as well outside of just, like, beer. You know, just handing you a beer. Go to Amsterdam Tavern. This is where you're going to watch every single World Cup game. It's where you're going to hang out with your buds. And they have large screens outside. It's going to be packed. So if you want just a good time and good friends and a really fun atmosphere to get an idea of what soccer means to the rest of the world as well, go there. There's going to be pretty much everyone from the, I guess, host like from all these different countries that are in the World Cup too, and their supporters will be there. Like, tons of supporters from different countries will be there. So, it'll be... Unfortunately, Bosnia-Herzegovina aren't in it. Oh. Otherwise, you know, there'd be so a huge have, Bosnian have, yeah, population yeah. there. Um, my bold prediction for the 2026 World Cup is that, oh, Germany wins it again because there's no reason why Germany wouldn't win it. They're too stacked. They're too freaking good. My other prediction is that France upsets everybody and then France goes in and destroys people because they're young and unbelievably fast. Forget you said, sports. You said you said twenty twenty six. You mean you mean twenty eighteen? I meant twenty eighteen. I'm I'm check. hooked I'm Dude, hooked on twenty twenty six. We we talk about sports kind of a lot this podcast, but I feel like it's the most interesting sports conversation we've had in a while on the podcast. It's true. It's um, good stuff. But speaking about somebody I also know in sports, um so recently our our friend our good friend Justin Hartman um, he actually, so he's been a big supporter of our podcast. I wanted to shout him out again. If you ever go to a Cardinals game and you're just like, man, there's so much good tech here and it's done in a really good, really good fashion. And there's not a lot of hiccups in the game day production. You can thank Justin for that because he's the technical director of everything that goes on at Bush Stadium on a game day experience. I don't think on any of you understand how much work and direction and perfect execution and even an art form, I would call it, as well, to get specific shots in, to call out specific plays, to know exactly where to go to in terms of game day experiences. Justin does it all during that game day. for, And he's there for five hours doing prep and like tear down, whatever. Um, theater people get it. Yeah, theater people get it. <laughs> But Justin is the man, and he controls pretty much the entire game day experience at Bush Stadium. Sweet. So you can thank him for that and enjoy yourself at a Cardinal game. Nice. Nice. That's my boy right there. Cool dude. I think uh, we've shouted him out once. Probably. Well, he, he also, gave... the Scott trade got a really nice upgrade um, in the control room. They're doing some really cool things there now. Um, Shavitz Arena um, had a complete gut and implementation this past season because I used to work at Shafitz uh-huh. with Justin. That's how I know Justin. He went to Truman with me. Shout out, go dogs. Great day to be a good bulldog right there. Um, Bush was updated about three years ago. Um, honestly, update of local venues, you know, Shafitz, um, now Enterprise Center. Yeah. And Bush, all three venues have really upgraded their game day experience. So you're welcome, St. Louis. Nice, nice. I got a thing to talk about. Cool, talk about it. I saw a play recently. And what was that play titled? That play was called Run On Sentence. 
Okay. Um, presented by Slightly Askew Theater Ensemble. How long does it take? It's a 90-minute one act. Oh, my God. A yeah. sentence that lasts 90 minutes? No. So, David, run-on sentence, while that may sound like a grammatical thing about... A, it's not a play about grammar. It's a play about life in prison. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Like I had sentence, to wrap my head around it. Like a sentence, like you get sentenced to serve prison. So, I mean, I got that now. It is a play yeah, on words. Yeah. Um, it's a. It was, you know what? A bit amazing if they had the entire show be a run-on sentence in and of itself. Yeah, but that would be like just serving the pun and not serving the narrative. Or serving the sentence. Oh my goodness, David! Oh, is, I'm so sorry. I, that was I, really good. I, uh, that was really good. I pat myself what I on the back. Talk about what I want to talk about. Boo! With this. What I want to talk about this is. Fine. Um, I I uh, I reviewed it. Um, and there's some really good reviews out there. It's really good, and if you... Where is it at? It's at the chapel. Um, What's the chapel? The chapel is a performing arts venue. It's on Y-Down off of... Uh, um, or it's not on Y-Down. It's just south of Y-Down. It's on Alexander off of uh, Skinker, mm-hmm. uh, but just south of Y-Down. How dare you call me that? Well, uh, so there, it's running the rest of this weekend. So if you listen to this right away and you say, I don't have anything to do this weekend, go to see that because you should. And it's very, very good. And I recommend it to yeah, everybody. You but, better catch but it. But I wanted to talk about it because, um, it, it kind of falls into with the top, the timeliness of that, um, show just happening. Uh, the impetus for the show was prison performing arts, new plays initiative. And if you don't know about prison performing arts, it's one of the neatest, uh, just kind of is that just a St. Louis thing? It is. It is a St. Louis centric thing, and it's kind of regional now. But it has. Uh, there's been a. Uh, I think like uh, there was a, a This American Life uh, episode that uh, you know talked about it. Cool. Um, Ira Glass has personally given money to Prison Performing Arts. I love Ira Glass. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's like the guy. The who, name itself the guy, sounds like our. The guy class. who calls out people and tells them to give money to things gave money to this. Wow. So, so he's living. He's living what he says. For sure. For sure. He's walking the talk. Yeah. What yeah. a what a person. Yeah. So, prison performing arts is essentially a performing arts theatrical nonprofit that goes into prisons, detention centers, and works with inmates and and does theater and they gain life skills and get to express themselves through these theatrical projects. Uh, this play. So as a a part of prison performing arts, they have this new plays initiative where they take playwrights and they put them into, you know, these different facilities and say, Hey, spend some time with these folks workshop with these inmates. Um, and then come out and write a piece based on your experience. So Stacy Lentz, um, is a playwright, and she spent like a in two week intensive with some prisoners, interviewed them, got their stories, worked on scenes, did kind of spoken word poetry stuff with them. It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah it was a sixty five hour workshop over two weeks. Holy um, cow! Yeah. Um. So I'm I'll, assuming on top of her day job. Well, or is that her she's day a, job? She was, I, she, I, she was. It was like a. She's a playwright, and she teaches theater at some place in new jersey so she was like there for that oh Um, oh, okay got it got it got it yeah um but so she took the stories and experiences and put them into this narrative as a kind of fictionalized version of of life in a women's facility uh but man just like as plays go really really good play uh hits on all these issues um but 
Prison Performing Arts has, even though I have never been in prison, um, it's had a, it's played an important part in my personal artistic development, and I've seen a few different uh, pieces that they've produced, uh, that they've put on, because they obviously, like, they do this stuff in the prisons, uh, but they also, this is, um, you know, this piece is the first time this piece has been performed by a professional theater group outside of a prison. Um, it's just the stories of the of prisoners. It doesn't involve any prisoners mm-hmm. in the action for this production. Uh, but back in 09, uh, Prison Performing Arts did a piece called Staging Old Masters at the Contemporary Art Museum. And this was super cool. They took like, I don't know, a dozen uh, or so. I can't remember if they were current inmates or if they were recently uh, released or not. But they were, they were, you know, inmates associated with Prison Performing Arts and Contemporary Art Museum. It's kind of weird that Contemporary Art Museum was housing them, I guess. I forget what the reason for the exhibit was. But they had a bunch of the old Dutch masters. So we're talking like Rembrandt, Vermeer, all that kind of mid 17th century, all Dutch stuff. They had these great pieces in the contemporary art museum. And then they brought in these prisoners and they prisoners went around and viewed the pieces, wrote responses to the pieces, how they interact with the piece, what they saw was going on. And then they, these prisoners wrote you know, some skits, some skit, uh, some skits or sketches. Um, some wrote pieces of poetry. Some wrote like raps or something to go along to respond to the art. And that was, and once again, like I would say, with that experience and also with seeing run on sentence, the fact that these are prisoner stories or with the um, staging old masters in 09, the fact that these are prisoners performing this had no bearing on my on what i was watching like it didn't Mm. it didn't matter that oh well this is a prisoner perspective or oh these are just people's perspectives these are just people doing performing arts and that that's unique and that staging old masters back in 09 was probably one of the biggest just personal breakthroughs in the way i interact with art and the way i understand art interpretation um you know for the longest time, especially, you know, high school, I was very much a, an artist's intent. Oh, like, you know, an object is one thing. Um, and I didn't fully grasp the value of interpreting and allowing something to speak to you on its own level, regardless of what the artist may have intended, regardless of what specific messaging may be imbued with that piece. Mm-hmm. It takes on its own meaning in between your eyes and the piece itself. And that's no less valuable than artist's intent. Um, so that really launched just a, a big change in understanding how I interact with art. Okay. Um, also, uh, and when, when, how long's the runtime for what? Not like physically, like how, how, how often can we see this? This was this was something that happened a long time ago. It, I thought you said this was happening now. There, I'm talking about two things. I'm sorry. I'm talking about two different things all at the same time. In the scope of things that I've seen that Prison Performing Arts has been involved in producing, I know that there's one thing happening. Currently, in the past. there's a play. Currently, there's a play called Run on Sentence. Yes. Playing. Uh, the this is the last weekend of it at the chapel, produced by Slightly Askew Theater Ensemble. This is the last weekend we can see it. Yes. Um. The 
the other thing I was just talking about, the Staging Old Masters, was a a co-exhibit and performing arts piece by Prison Performing Arts at the Contemporary Art Museum in 2009. Okay, I thought they were both here. My apologies. No. So I was just, I was expounding on the impact that Prison Performing Arts had had in my life. I went to an assumptive Um, area. Sorry. Yeah. So that's, that was my point there. That's still a unique experience. Yeah. Yeah. Go see that if you can this weekend. Yes. That's a, that's a quite, wow. Oh, that's weird. That's weird. Man. Like to get in the minds, that mindset. I mean, hmm. no, I wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was, man. And they, and they have, I think they did a similar responsive thing like staging old masters in like, oh, 12 or something. So it's the type of, uh, what did you just say? Staging old masters in no. 12? Oh, 12. Oh, 12. Yeah. It's, it's just tr- called it, 12. Um, but am I wrong? Yeah, that's correct. You are wrong. David, I feel like we need to really delve into this and the the year, the full year, 2012. Like, I will two, say zero, one, two. That is also correct. I will also say that when people say, Hey, are you from the Lou? When you say St. Louis, that is me going, Oh, oh twelve. No, it's no, the no, same no, nature no, of no, 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 where no. somebody goes in terms of a reaction towards that. Someone will go, ugh. David, Either way, when David, somebody here's says, where here's where "Oh, are you from the Lou?" I'll go, wrong. "Gross, you're gross." That's, that's Stop wrong. saying that. Stop that right, right. now. I get agree. out of my city. I agree with you on that because nobody says that, and it's wrong. It's however, wrong. It's however, stupid. However, if you look at a precedent and a just a verbal rhythm of how we say things, oh one, which precedent? Oh two, oh three, oh four, oh five. 06. Yeah. 07. Yeah. 010. Okay. 011. Not true. 012. Definitely not. 13. You're the worst. Stop <laughs> saying dumb things. I never. Speaking of. Never. Never give up. Speaking, never surrender. Speaking of precedents, the vice president of the United States from the years of 2008 to 2016 is going to be here tomorrow night, aka tonight. Oh, what? Joe Biden. He's going to be here for his tour. At the Peabody Opera House for for doing for doing saying for being the vice president for saying saying hi America I was your vice president no president isn't that neat he was here before he was president he was the vice president a little while ago I get the joke David so it's very funny he used to be the vice president now he's the vice president that actually does work thank you I you know like uh, can you sec- applaud me seconds, for that ten seconds ago when I said thank you David that's funny I meant it wasn't funny yeah but now now I, you get it I I accept it it's a better joke than I thought thank it was. you I appreciate you coming back and realizing and apologizing for the fact that it actually is funny <laughs> um, second thing that's happening nearby also like in the region I guess um, there's something going on that started I believe today i'm not sure if it started today but we're gonna i don't know i need to look it up later yeah um one of the coolest the coolest art installations i think i've ever seen because i do enjoy mini golf oh sheldon galleries yes the sheldon concert hall and art gallery has this summer golf the galleries it's a playable how long is it there it's going to be there till August, mid-August, right. I believe. Okay. So you can tee off at the Sheldon Art Galleries this summer. Um, they are, and I will read the excerpt from uh, Explore STL, exploresaintlouis.com. Um, it's a playable, artist-designed, nine-hole mini-golf installation. It's designed to be family-friendly friendly and accessible. 
Hold on. Should I, leave, should I read it in my old-timey voice? Uh, no. Yes. Okay. okay. The course combines the visual arts with the fun of mini-golf to create a truly unique experience. The winning entries include Mark, what is it? Maker Sponsors, Octurus, Canada Design, Switch, and World Chess, Hall of Fame, and individual artists and teams. Great for scale, Charles Hauska, Justin King, Natalie Pinson, and BJ Voigt. The designs range from whimsical streetscapes. With unexpected animal inhabitants and Alice in Wonderland themed tea party and a classical chess conundrum. To immersive structures, including a wall of mirrors and black light rainbow environment. Enjoy the indoor course in air-conditioned comfort and see how art and play can come together. Exclamation point. Because, hey, wait because, to, like, because, to just right there, thank you. pal. Because... because Reading someone else's news article on your podcast, you did you did attribute you did you did attribute you did give attribution, hmm. but I was gonna say because reading someone else's news article on your podcast is okay if you do it in a silly voice. Well, here's the thing, it's not a very well written piece because it's not a good piece to begin with. Okay, but when I didn't you, read it, you know, you know, but was, when you put when you, it's, you know first of all, also, it's a snippet. It's a little yeah. snippet explanation of what's happening. It's a preview. Also, I literally don't have a name of whoever wrote it. Do but you they know write what else Explorer is St. kind Louis. of a bad, a good and bad piece of journalism about this gallery? Most things. Did you hear the NPR segment on it? I have not. Uh, it's the STL <laughs> Public Radio segment on. Yeah, I, I forget. I forget who published it. Who, who produced it? Um, but their role, like they're you know the the producer is interviewing whoever's in charge of the galleries in the gallery, so you get a little bit of echo, but it's fine. You know they're on location. And he's got his microphone. They're talking about like okay, all the background information about what why'd you think about it? What's the STL connection? Who are the different you know designers who did it? And it's quite brilliant. And yeah, the and pieces I've are seen some beautiful. pictures, and it's like go go look at it. You should um, go to these and go play it. Uh, I'm not sure how much it costs. I don't think does it cost? If it doesn't cost, I'm gonna be there like every day. Free mini golf? Let's go. Oh shoot. Uh but so looks fun. Look that up. But so they're doing the thing and then they're like, okay, well let's try it out. It's like, okay, radio, thank you. And so but they literally like continue this interview while playing a couple holes. There's just like I guess it's technically not dead air because you hear the ball rolling around and you hear them say, Okay, it's your shot. But it's just like what kind of atmosphere is but that? When it, be? But when it got like when it got to about you know the two three minute point in the in the segment, I'm like, oh okay, they're gonna they're gonna like they're gonna shoot a couple balls and then wrap it up and then finish up on our own time. No, they continued playing for like the second whole half of the segment. I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. It was it was charming, but also kind of weird. So, yeah. Either way, I'm gonna go play it a lot. <laughs> You All don't right. have to come All play right. with me if you don't want to. I do want to. Oh, okay. Let's go play sometime. Yeah. <laughs> let's we're, record we're our going... podcast while we're playing. Oh, my gosh. We need to get a That's mobile what we're gonna recorder. That's We need to get a mobile recorder for we do. We other things as well. That, but I'm saying if we get an actual mobile recorder we can plug stuff into, um, we can have a little more functionality when we actually do. I think we might need it for when we're doing phone interviews, um, or we can benefit. We'll have a little more control. If we had a second recording device... Might use your computer. Hmm. I don't know. We'll deal with those technical details. Oh, I can bring my I can bring my road mic. It's all good. Okay. Like both, it's called R O D E and R O A D because we're on the road. Road well, mic. Okay, Jack. Who's Jack? Kerouac. Oh. What an interesting take on that. 
Good job. I read most of that book. Cool. Well, I feel like that pretty much wraps up our episode for this week. Yeah, we haven't even talked that long, but we got a lot of information in there. What, did we record for like 45 minutes? 50 minutes? Yeah, about 50 minutes. Oh, well, yeah, I guess we're there. Yeah. 20... What's what's an hour and seven minus 19 minutes? Who cares? Okay, we're done? No, I mean, that's like 48 minutes. Okay, so yeah, so we're hitting, we're hitting targets. Because targets matter for us. Which one? The one near the Galleria in Brentwood? No, the, yeah, no. Night Nasty Trader Joe's? Thank and you, Bath and David. Body? Thank you, David. The Brentwood Promenade. David, tell a joke. Okay. Um, Bradley Rolf. <laughs> hey, first of all, you said it about yourself. Yeah. So does it's that mean self-deprecating? I humor. was just about to say self-deprecating everybody, humor. Everybody you jerk. It. I, I could, I could do, I could do both. As I was like, uh, hey, hey, David, what do you think about? Bradley, what do you? I can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna. People are gonna unsubscribe if you keep doing that. I apologize. I need to stop doing a. David impression, even though it's not even a really oh, good a, David do impression. Do a good David impression. I don't, I don't have a good David impression. I have a good Bradley impression. Do you have a Bradley impression? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's Bradley doing an impression. That's that's impressionism? You want you wanna know you wanna know my, my <laughs> do you want do you wanna hear my uh impression of David Lemon? Okay. He's a pretty swell guy and he's a nice roommate and, and landlord. That's the impression. My impression of David Lemon. I like Monet. Janelle Monet's coming to St. Louis. No, I'm, I'm talking about Monet Monet. Claude. 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 I, 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 Do we have topics to talk about or we should stop? 